This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. I'm Lyle Southall and, and this Lawson is... Walters. Yes, Lawson Walters. And we are Faith doing faith we are faith fm <laughs> one two three four no, we are doing we wish, faith FM. we wish we were faith FM. we're on no, we faith don't. fm we are on faith fm this is the breakfast show this is positively different radio in the morning mm. this is the encounter uh with god section of faith fm where we are a part of the 20 million movement bible study mm-hmm. what have we got for our Clue for, for the our quiz. quiz. Yeah, what's what's with with everybody not answering this one yet? Come on, okay. guys. Who am I? So we know this guy is in prison for insurrection and murder. Mm-hmm. And the people were persuaded by the chief priests and the elders to ask for my freedom. Mm-hmm. And, and he got it. And he got it on the basis that it was secured by a custom. But now, Pilate wanted Jesus set free rather than me. However, he gave in to the crowd's demands. Okay. One of the two is going to be set free, either Jesus or this, this person. person. So give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and you'll get a prize completely for free. All right, Ezra chapter 1. We've been doing uh, Nehemiah for a fair while now, but we are supposed to be doing Ezra and Nehemiah. Looks like we might be spending a little bit of time in Ezra this time around, so let's go to Ezra chapter 1 and verse 9 is where we're going to start. Ezra chapter 1 and verse 9. Ezra uh, chapter Lawson, maybe 1 could... and verse 9. Here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are ready? Okay, let's do it. Um, this is the list of items that were returned. 30 gold basins, 1,000 silver basins, 29 silver incense burners, 30 gold bowls, 410 silver bowls, and 1,000 other items. There you go. Wow, that's powerful, man. <laughs> Just an amazing passage of the Bible. <laughs> Pregnant with meaning. <laughs> <laughs> Lawson, have you ever preached a sermon on this passage? No. Like, no, I have not. Really? Have Have you? Have you ever heard a sermon on this passage? No. I have not heard a sermon on this passage either. But today... Oh, here we go. We're going to study this passage. Mm-hmm. Because this passage has a powerful message in it. Mm. Okay, so how many? Uh, so, so, so essentially, what is the passage talking about? It's talking about all the things that were returned um, to Israel. Okay, so what we're going to find out is what were these things that were being returned? Where did they come from, and why did they end up somewhere else? And the answer to that question is found in Daniel chapter one. Okay, so Daniel chapter one. <clears throat> so, if you are a listener today, you are hearing history being made. Oh. First time ever I have done a Bible study, and first time ever I will almost guarantee you have had a Bible study on Ezra chapter 1 and verse 9 to 11. But today we are doing just that. So there you go, Faith FM. Make sure you stay tuned because historical things happen on Faith FM. Would you like to read for us verse 1 and 2, please? Mm. Here we go, verse 1 and 2. During the third year of King Jehoiada's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Joachim, um, Jehoiakim uh, of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. 
Okay, so what's happening here in these first two verses? So basically, um, King Jehoiada... Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim, sorry, man, all over the place. King Jehoiakim, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a loser if you if you know about King Jehoiakim. But yep. basically, Nebuchadnezzar's rocked up and you know besieged the city as he's you know conquering all the land, mm-hmm. you know expanding the empire of Babylon. And um, as he you know takes um, takes Israel, I'm sure he would have been pretty persuasive and just being like, oh yep, hey. I'm going to take all your stuff. And they're like, okay, do it because he's got this giant army. He's like, oh, yep, I'm here to do, uh, to take control of you guys and take all your stuff. And that's exactly what happens. That's what happens right there. Okay, so let's... Um, we have two passages of the Bible here, very historical in nature, mm-hmm. dry history. Mm-hmm. Why does the Bible even place these passages why does God choose to preserve this information for us? I mean, it's just basic, dry, factual history. You know, mm. third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, Nebuchadnezzar comes to Babylon, to Jerusalem, lays siege to it. Lord gives Jehoiakim into his hand and he takes all of the loot out of the house of God. And, of course, what you've got taking place in Ezra chapter 1 is all of that loot being returned. Hmm. So why record bland history like that? Is there any use to these verses in the grand scheme of things? Well, I think... Are they, are they, are these verses pregnant with meaning? I'm sure they are. They are. We're going to find out. We are indeed. They are pregnant with meaning. (laughs) And we are going to study the Bible. (laughs) We're going to find out. All right, all right, all right. Let's go to Daniel chapter one and let's start observing these two verses. How many kings are mentioned? Uh, so there's Jehoiakim and Nebuchadnezzar. So there's two, two kings. Two kings. How many nations are mentioned? Babylon and Judah. Two nations. So you've got two kings, two nations. Mm-hmm. How many cities are mentioned? Uh, there's Jerusalem and Babylon. Okay, so we've got two cities. So we've got two kings, two nations, two cities. Um, and the two cities are Jerusalem and Babylon. Mm-hmm. All right. Think about that. Ooh. Uh, there is conflict here, is there not? Mm, definitely. And there is conflict between these two cities, is there not? Mm. Okay, so if there is conflict between these two cities, well, let's think about this. Go to the book of Revelation. Yeah. How many cities do you have named in Revelation? Oh, well, you definitely have the city of Jerusalem. Yes. You definitely have the city of Babylon. You do? Yeah. And they are in conflict, conflict with each other. Another. Okay, so here's what you've got. Daniel chapter 1, and by implication, Ezra chapter 1. You have Jerusalem and Babylon in conflict with each other. Mm. Book of Revelation, you have Jerusalem and Babylon in conflict with each other. The book of Revelation is all about the great controversy between Christ and Satan. And the moment the book of Daniel starts, the very two ver- first two verses introducing the book of Daniel are about a conflict between Jerusalem and Babylon. Immediately, if you are a student of the Bible, you are going to know and recognize the whole book is going to be about the great controversy between Christ and Satan. Mm. There is your introduction. Wow. Okay. And, of course, Ezra chapter 1 is about uh, the end of that conflict and the things that were taken from the temple being returned to the temple. But let's go back to the origins of the conflict. How far back in the Bible are you going to have to go, do you think, to find the origins of Babylon? Well, all the way back to the time of Abraham, right? 
Okay, let's go back 400 years previous to Abraham. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's go back to Genesis chapter. Now, Genesis, you're pretty much close to the beginning of the Bible. You're just yeah. a couple of pages from the very beginning of the Bible. And we are going to go to Genesis chapter 10. Now, Lawson, that is not very far into the Bible, is it? No. Okay, so when, so here's, the, here's, the, here's what you find. Genesis 10, right at the beginning, we have the city of Babylon. Mm. Uh, why don't you read for us verse 8 and 8 through 10. 8 through 10. Cush was also the ancestor of Nimrod, who was the first heroic warrior on earth, since he was the greatest hunter in the world. His name uh, became proverbial. People would say, this man is like Nimrod, the greatest hunter in the earth. He built his kingdom in the land of Babylonia, with the cities of Babylon, Erek, Akkad, and Kalneh. Okay, so Nimrod comes along. He fir- forms the first... A globalist empire. Mm. And he begins in the land of Babel by building the city of Babylon, Babylonia. Mm. When you read about the history of this city, you find, yes, he was a great and mighty hunter. He was a great and mighty warrior. Um, History tells us that he was the man who invented warfare. So we can blame Nimrod for, uh, well, I guess someone else would have invented it if not Nimrod. But anyway, he's the one who invented uh, invented warfare and conquest of other nations and so forth. And he builds this city of Babylon. Mm. Let's read about the origin of Babylon. The origin of Babylon, um, the history of that is the first mention here, of course, in chapter 10. The history of it is in chapter 11. The whole Bible says the whole earth was of one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east. They found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they lived there. And they said to one another, uh, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, let us build a city and a tower that reaches all the way to the heavens. And so they began to build this great city of Babylon. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And you go down to verse 5. The Bible says, The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. And the Lord said, Behold, the people are one. They have one language. Um, this they will begin to do, and nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined. Let us go down and confound their language, that they might, may not understand mm. each other's speech. The Lord scattered them abroad, and the Lord basically um, hit the top of the tower with uh, lightning. I might not have known about lightning rods back then. And the whole thing came to, yeah, a bit of a screaming halt. Yeah. So here you have the origin of races. Mm. For those who are wondering where races come from, all you need to do to create races is to confuse language and create different language groups, and automatically you have uh, races that are going to develop over about five generations Mm. from there. And you're going to have Africans and Asians and Indians and white people and so forth. Mm. Probably a story for another day. However, let's think about the city. Nimrod has set himself up against God. God said, you know, go out and inhabit the world and spread yourselves out and populate it. And Nimrod's like, no, we clump together and we form an empire. Uh, Nimrod historically was the first person to not only invent warfare, but to invent after the flood 
a religion in opposition to God. Mm. And this is why when you look at the religious symbols that are universal, so the number of religious symbols that are universal throughout the world, I'll give you an example. Um, Anywhere you go on the planet, uh, historically, the snake has been worshipped. Why choose the snake? Um, Universally, the sun has been worshipped. So the sun and the snake are two things that are worshipped pretty much universally around the world. But let's think about the snake a little bit further. Pretty much anywhere you go in the world, you're going to find the snake with wings mm. as an object of worship. Now, have you ever seen a snake with wings? No, that would freak me out. I would like, I would, that that's too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> you would check yourself into the nearest psych ward, I'm right? Like, that would just be either the nearest psych ward or the nearest bomb shelter, <laughs> like whichever's closest. I would be in there. You would there. suddenly be in favor of nuclear war, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get rid of this snake with wings, bro. Okay, so where did the ancients get that kind of a concept from? You know, it is completely counterintuitive. It makes no sense at all to add wings to a snake. Mm. You know, it makes a whole lot more sense to add wings to, say, a horse or something like that. Yeah. You know, because you could kind of see, but a snake, how is a snake going to have wings? Of, of man. I have no idea. Well, we were However, there is only one place that you will find the origin of a snake mm. that has wings, and that is the Bible where you have an angel that is a snake True. who is there Lucifer, and there is your origin. And this is why Nimrod chose the snake because it was a symbol of Lucifer. If you are not going to be a worshipper of Jesus Christ, your only alternative is Lucifer. Mm. And so he chose the next highest power in the universe, tossed his lot in with Lucifer and started up a religion in rebellion against God. Mm. Wild. Okay, think about also the origin of the tower. Now, wherever you go around the world, you're going to find great towers being built. Um, and they follow a fairly similar form. You know, the most famous of them, of course, were the pyramids. Um, and we think of the pyramids of Egypt. There are twice as many pyramids in the Sudan as what there are in Egypt. Um, and there are about three or four times as many in Central America mm. and South America. So these pyramids were built, you know, right around the world and, um, you know, all on a very, very similar pattern. Um, coming from a, an origin somewhere. Why the tower? What was significant about the tower? Why build a tower as a place of either worship or a tomb or so forth? Where does it originate from? And so if you look at it historically, you know the idea is that Nimrod sets himself up as a worshipper of Lucifer. Mm. Now, of course, Nimrod knows exactly what the results of that are. Because he can talk to multiple eyewitnesses of the flood. Mm. Shem, Ham, Japheth, Noah, they're all still alive. Their wives, they're all still alive. He is surrounded by the physical evidence of the flood. He does not live in an era like where we do, you know, 4,000 years uh, separated from that event where you can walk around and say, well, I don't really think it happened like that because, you know, we weren't there and nobody saw it, so we think it happened over millions of years. No, he doesn't have that yeah. luxury, if you want to call it that. Um, he is forced to accept that when humans turned away from God, God flooded the world. Mm. The tower is built 
So if God decides to flood the place again, he's got a place of refuge to go to. Mm. He and his city. Which is interesting because... So this is, this is, I'm going to rebel against God and this is my means of surviving my rebellion Mm. against God. That tower is an admission of the power and reality of God. Mm. Of course, like, yeah, you would, because it's such a reality to you, you know, God and Satan and the great controversy, you just like... You've got all these people around you who are like, yeah, there was a great flood that killed everyone. Like, yeah, there would just be that that inner that inner fear that inevitably you're going to be destroyed by the great god of the universe. But it's like, oh, yeah, we'll come up with a method to be able to. to yeah, to basically, he sat that. down. He sat down and said, "I'm going to rebel against God, and therefore I need to have a means of surviving that rebellion, and that means of survival will be this great tower." Man, it's so interesting how he's simultaneously incredibly self-aware that, like, oh yeah, if I'm going to rebel against God, well, I have to do something to survive. But then holding the ideology of I'm going to rebel against God. Okay, this tells you that the city of Babylon and the principles, the philosophy it was built on was unlike any kind of rebellion I've ever seen in this world today. Mm. You know, people rebel today like, yeah, I'm an evolutionist um, and they rebel against God. But, you know, you can kind of give them a little bit of the benefit of... uh, benefit of the doubt in some ways because we are so far removed from those events, Mm. you know, and they have not, you know, for whatever reason, that's what they choose to do. But this was, this was bold faced in your face, shake Mm. your fist at God kind of rebellion. Mm. And so this is why Babylon, because of its origin becomes a symbol of evil at the end of time in the book of revelation. Mm. So Babylon begins right at the very beginning of Genesis and you find it right through to Revelation and throughout the history of the Bible, Babylon is in conflict with God's people. Mm. Simple as that. So you have the servants of God and the enemies of God and the enemies of God are symbolized by Babylon because of the way it started. Okay, let's uh, then think about the origins of Jerusalem. Where, where, whereabouts in the Bible would you find the origins of Jerusalem? Ooh, this is a tricky question. This is a bit of a tricky one. I'm going to say... How many pages would you have to turn to find the origins of Jerusalem? Let, let me count. Let me count the one. That'll do. Oh yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, I was skipping it. No, 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 no. It's two. It's def. Yeah, it's two. I told you it was two. It was oh two. well, it's only only got to turn one page to get to the chapter. Yeah, but it was two to get to the story. Jerusalem. The very first mention of Jerusalem is found Genesis chapter fourteen. Genesis fourteen. Mm. Two chapters down. Mm-hmm. Three chapters down from the origins of Babylon. And so what you've got is it's almost like these are the first two cities or some of the first cities that you find mentioned in the Bible. Mm. And uh, they are right at the beginning of the Bible. They go from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. Mm. So let's think about the origins of the city of Jerusalem. Who was the king of that city? Well, according to this, it was Melchizedek. Melchizedek, and who was the priest of that city? Also Melchizedek. Okay, so this is a city that is not founded on rebellion against God. This is a city that was actually set up as a place of worship by 
the high priest in the world at that particular time. Mm. We could spend some time discussing who Melchizedek is, but it's kind of irrelevant for us to understand. Other than that, he was the high priest. Mm. And the story is mentioned in relationship to an experience of Abraham, uh, where Abraham found himself in a position where he had to go and rescue uh, his uh, nephew Lot. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to take a song break at this time. We're going to listen to Kemi Agendi. When we come back, we're going to pick up the story of Lot and what was actually happening in the city of Jerusalem um, around this time. It's Kemi Agendi featuring Anna Weatherup. Come to the altar, come to the altar Wear your best clothes, we'll put on a show Just get comfortable, this space is all yours It's all about you Come to the Saviour, God our Creator Come, let us praise Him for maybe an hour Then when we're done, we'll Pack him all up, send him back to his corner Sing about Jesus, sing of his love Sing of the life that he gave up for us But heaven forbid that God would have the nerve to ask you to give up your own What you say, you believe Let him write it on your heart Let him carve it on each part of who you are Cause how can we follow Christ only when it's convenient? How can we worship a God who we don't even know? His word for a moment or so Take what you like and leave what you don't Tell me how Tell me how What you say, you believe Would you write it with your blood? The God we say we love, oh, he's worth it all. He is worth it all. What you stand here and sing, let him write it on your heart. Let him call it on each part of who you are. Cause how can we fall? Saints again, stop playing games. 
That was Kemi Agendi featuring Anna Weather up here on Faith FM. Okay, so congratulations to Matt in Pendle Hill who has successfully answered the quiz question. Of course, the answer is Barabbas. Mm-hmm. Um, and a number of other people calling through on that last clue as well, so it must have been a bit of an easier clue. But this does mean that we get to start a new quiz today. Oh, true. Oh, here we go. All right. So let's see if you can find one that... Uh, Hasn't been shuffled in and redone like a week ago. Nope, he's shuffling through. So while Lawson is shuffling through trying to find us something that has not been recently done, we will continue to talk about the origins of Jerusalem. Okay, what have you got for us there? Um, I think this one's been done recently, but it's okay. Okay, who am I? I did what I could to kill off the Lord's prophets. Yeah, I'm writing this down. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. So no double prizes up for grabs on this one because Lyle just got it straight away. But that there is there is a prize available. There is a prize. So give us a call one eight hundred three two four eight four three, and you can win a prize completely for free. Or, or text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Yes, Lawson. We have Genesis chapter fourteen mm-hmm. right here, and the story goes like this. During Abraham's time, the world's superpower was the Elamite Empire. Mm. They were based on the north side of uh, the Gulf of Aqaba um, in modern-day Iran. Mm -hmm. Their empire stretched all the way down to Egypt. So this is a very, very large and powerful empire. Part of their empire included the cities, obviously, of Sodom and Gomorrah, that were in the Jordan Valley at this particular era. Those particular cities formed an alliance, five of those cities formed an alliance together to rebel against the Elamites. Mm. The Elamites invaded, predictably, um, expanded their empire, um, conquered about 14 new nations and cities in the process. They came down with a major invasion force Mm. um, at this particular time period. Uh, because they're like, yeah, we'll go down there, we'll teach Sodom and Gomorrah a lesson, and while we're at it, let's just double the size of our empire. Mm. Um, in the process, they capture Lot. Lot was nef- uh, Abraham's nephew, 
and his family and take them away as slaves. Abraham hears about it and he um, arms his trained men. There was, let me just see here, very few of them. It was like 318. 318 armed men that he has under his command and he goes after the Elamites, which is a little bit like Samoa going after the United States. <laughs> just to put that in perspective. Yeah. So basically what Abraham, Abraham has is a small war band Mm. Um, and the Elamites have just, you know, a major invasion force. Mm. Abraham then catches up with the Elamites. He attacks them at night. He not only uh, defeats them and rescues his family and Lot's family, but he defeats them so convincingly he drives them for 120 kilometers further north. Mm. Then he returns, and having done that, he makes a beeline for the city of Salem, which later became known as Jerusalem, mm-hmm. um, Jerusalem, where Melchizedek is because he's going to worship. Why is he going there? Well, anybody who has seen anything like that in, you know, this is unparalleled in military history, will recognize that only by the direct divine intervention of God was such a victory possible. Mm. And so um, what you have then is Abraham is like, you know what? God has given me the victory. And, of course, Abraham has showed tremendous courage in doing so. But he's like, I'm going down there to give thanks. He's going to worship. Mm. And so one city begins, Babylon begins under Nimrod as a place of bold-faced rebellion against God. The other city begins in the Bible as a place of worship and honor and thanks to God Mm. and a witness you know, to the world of the power of God. Um, and, of course, the Elamites, they never really cut, recover from that. You know, they don't really have any further significant influence in that region of the world at all. Uh, they pretty much go back to, you know, their part of the world and stay there. Mm. Uh, and we know that from from history and from, um, yeah, a number of other places. We've just got a, a listener texting through. And Kelvin has texted in. Kelvin comes on our show on a semi-regular basis and uh, in relationship to our interview earlier on. Oh, yeah. With Neil Thompson, who was out at um, Come By Chance and several other small places out there. He says, yes, been to and done work at Come By Chance. Come By Chance. There Not you go. Not many people that can say that. <laughs> Not much to see. Um, uh, petrol station general store. He says, your kitchen cupboard has more in it than the store has. Um, <laughs> local food. Local airstrip and a few scattered homesteads. There you go. There you go. So uh, there are some small places in the outback of Mm. Australia, but it's great to see that the gospel message is going there even during the tremendous drought that we're having. Okay, so we have these two cities. They are in conflict with each other. One is a symbol of the worship of God. One is a symbol, you know, Jerusalem is a symbol of the worship of God. The other is a symbol of the worship of Satan. And they are in conflict with each other right down through the Bible. And when you go to Daniel chapter 1, you find that God's city is in conflict conflict with Satan's city. Whose city should win? Well, hopefully God's. Does that happen? No. No. God's city is convincingly defeated. Um, everything is taken captive from that city 
And you can imagine that at that particular time, the inhabitants of that city who were still faithful to God would have been incredibly discouraged, wouldn't you think? Mm, yeah. Like discouraged beyond imagination, discouraged. Mm. And so uh, because they are discouraged, they are, um, you know, they're in captivity, they're in a foreign land, they're in a very vulnerable position where they could very easily wander away from God. And, of course, many of them did. Mm. And they were just assimilated into the surrounding nations. But there were those who stayed faithful, and Daniel was one of them, and there were a number of others who stayed faithful and returned. The Bible says, a small remnant that returns. And when they return, they bring with them, as Ezra records, the gold and silver vessels and so forth that Nebuchadnezzar had taken captive 70 years previously. Mm. And so we've kind of got both ends of this story here. And there is a major, major lesson in this story that we need to note. And that is what God specializes in. One of the greatest defeats that God's people ever face in the Bible is the defeat by Nebuchadnezzar. Mm. The greatest time for them ever to be discouraged and to give up is after the defeat by Nebuchadnezzar. But because you have a couple of teenagers, Daniel and his friends who remain true to God, and one or two others, Ezekiel and Jeremiah, God turns that defeat, he turns it around, and he makes it into a great victory. Mm. You think about you think about Satan. He would have been smiling with glee. I've got God's people where I want them. They are discouraged. They are captives. They are going to disappear off the face of the earth. And God sits back and quietly smiles to himself. He's like, yeah, I've got these four teenagers over there, Daniel and his friends. I've got Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Mm. That's all I need. Yeah, wow. And he turns a defeat into a victory, and God can turn your defeats into victories for you today if you trust in him. Stand up, 
Drugs or alcohol a problem in your life? Alcohol Drugs Assist, or ADA, is a 12-step recovery program designed to help you escape the hold of addictions in a friendly and judgment-free environment. ADA meets regularly, and if you'd like to attend, give Peter a call or text on 0487 907 879. That's 0487 907 879. Is forgiveness... Or the lack of forgiveness eating away at you? A relationship breakdown maybe, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Like a picture that's been marred, distorted and defamed. Do you really know me? Do you really? 
Welcome back, guys. You listen to Faith FM, and that was Carly Fletcher with Sandra Enderman. Do you really know me here on Faith FM? I think mm. I already said that. But anyway, I'll say it again. I did say it again. Let's just have a clue for our quiz and then our question of the day. How about that, Lawson? Okay, clue for the quiz. Are you ready? The second, second quiz of the day, by the way. Second quiz of the day. All right. Who am I? Okay, we're going to give two clues real quick. I was involved in idolatry and witchcraft. Oh man, this person you kill. Mm-hmm. This person kills the Lord's prophets. Was involved in idolatry and witchcraft, and the Lord said dogs would devour me by the war wall of Jezreel. Okay, who was that? If you what know the wife. answer, oh, I tell you what, this person. Wow, rough. Wow, <laughs> and I mean that that quiz is only is, is toning it down, mm. toning it down. We're talking Believe about a real me. Piece of work, but one eight hundred three two four eight four three. If you know the answer, give us a call. But Lyle, yes, question, question of the day. Of what the have you got day. for us? Who was Melchizedek? Melchizedek was the priest of Salem, later known as Jerusalem. Okay, but more specifically, who was Melchizedek? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the Bible tells us a number of different things about Melchizedek in Hebrews chapter seven. It says this, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Now, of course, Abraham was a priest of God, and it was from Abraham that, of course, we got the Levitical priesthood. Now we have the priesthood of all believers. But we have to ask ourselves the question, how was the priesthood passed down and where, was, where did the priesthood come from before Levi? Mm. and the Levitical priesthood. Um, and so what was it that qualified somebody to be a priest? 
And the answer is it was the priesthood of the birthright, mm. uh, which typically, which it's, it's often called the priesthood of the firstborn because that was the usual circumstance. The usual circumstance was that the priesthood would go to the firstborn and would remain with that firstborn until that firstborn died and would then move on to the next, you know, firstborn in line, so to speak. So if Abraham, who was, you know, priest in his home, is going to Melchizedek, who to, to worship and to return tithes, then he's obviously going to someone who is higher ranking in priesthood than what he is. He's going to the highest ranked person in the world. And so it says a couple of other things here about Melchizedek, um, which you know really get people scratching their heads. In verse 3 it says, describing Melchizedek, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like to us, like unto the Son of God, abides a priest continually. An interesting statement by Paul in the book of Hebrews here about somebody who has no beginning, no end. And so a lot of people have concluded, well, that, that was Jesus Christ. Uh, there is no indication that Jesus Christ had a life on earth previous to his incarnation. Others have concluded, well, maybe it was the Holy Spirit. Once again, this is highly speculative, and there is no biblical basis for it whatsoever at all. The simple answer is, we don't know. Mm. However, that does not stop us from being able to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. So let me share with you my opinion. The highest ranked priest in the world in the time of Abraham according to the priesthood of the firstborn or the priesthood of the birthright was Shem. Now you've got to remember that Shem was still alive during portions of Jacob's life. Mm. So it's hard for us to wrap our minds around the fact that you know Jacob you know is coming what 500 600 years after the flood whatever it might be. Um, and he's able to go and have a conversation with somebody who was an eyewitness of the flood. But it does give you a bit of a picture why people would say, you know, this guy has just been here forever and ever. You know, he comes from a world that is a world that we have never seen. So he pre-exists the world that we have ever seen, Mm. and he just lives and lives and lives and lives, and so many other people are dying, and he just keeps going. It's like the guy seems to be immortal, which is why people like, he has no beginning of days nor end of years. Mm. Um, and so he became known as the person who had no beginning of days nor end of years. And so this is why, in my opinion, it's a reference to Shem. But the reality is, I don't know. <laughs> Ask Jesus one day and you will get an answer. This is uh, Chelsea Moon. She's going to bring to us Take My Life.
Welcome back, guys. That was Chelsea Moon with Take My Life and Let It Be, Consecrated Lord to Thee. Amen. Time to give a book away. Let's yes. give us a call right now, 1-800-324-843, and you've got a free book. You're not even going to have to answer a clue to get this one. It's just what we do at the end of the show every day. What have you got for us, Lawson? Mm, so this book is called 10 Choices for a Full Life. Okay, we all there want to have a go. full life, and we've got uh, the answer to it right here. Mm, so this is a book by Katia Garcia Ren- Renart. I hope I pronounced correctly. It sounded really <laughs> impressive there. <laughs> I channeled Accent my, and all. Channeled, channeled my, my inner Spaniard. Um, but yeah, this is an, an, an incredible book, um, just basically going over biblical principles of health, things that God has given us to live a better and fuller life. Um, you know, uh, of course, you know, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and one of the ways we can worship God is by following his counsel on how to live a better life. So yeah, pick up this book. This is incredible. Give us a call, 1-800-324-843. And uh, you'll get this prize, this book, completely for free. You most certainly will. So give us a call right now. And, of course, we enjoy your company here on Faith FM every morning. We look forward to it. And we enjoy it when you uh, call into the show and a part of the show and mm. participate, all that kind of thing. Um, send in your questions of the day. We we love having your questions of the day when you just uh, let us know, okay, this is what's... Um, on our question, don't forget we have a Faith FM mm. app. We need to talk about our new, brand new Faith FM app. You can download that. And, of course, you'll get um, perfect signal on the app. You can run it through your car stereo and so forth while you're traveling um, with very little download. Um, and, uh, yeah, just a great way to listen to Faith FM and listen to the live show if you're in an area where, the, where you are getting the delayed broadcast. So join us again tomorrow morning here on Faith FM.
Oh, my God.